At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. On November 2nd, 2021, Rachel Maddow read a letter that implored her to not go through with her plans to reduce her television schedule from daily to weekly. It argued that the peril which had struck the democracy just 10 months earlier was only the beginning, that the midterms of 2022 and the presidential election of 2024 might ultimately be as important to the history of this nation as the Civil War, and that her program was one of the few public squares in which those defending the country from fascism could take heart and believe they were not alone. The handwritten letter expressed sympathy, indeed empathy, to Maddow on her decision, and the writer suggested that if indeed the inevitable had finally come and the workload had gone from Sisyphean to crushing, perhaps she could take a leave of absence, keep her name on her nightly MSNBC show, have others fill in, and not return to it until even as late as September or October of the following year, 2022. The writer acknowledged that what he was saying sounded absurd and hyperbolic, but he insisted it was true. The liberal point of view on cable news had never been more important. It had never been under greater threat from both market forces and less hidden forms of fascism. And the entire cable news industry was teetering on implosion. No matter how flawed MSNBC and to a lesser degree CNN were, they were vitally important to the future of freedom in the United States. And because her viewers believed that her nightly program was essential to that future of freedom, it was essential to that future of freedom. Maddow did not reply. She did not alter her plans. She cut back to once a week. MSNBC's ratings collapsed, her own included, and that of her lead-in, and that of her lead-out. CNN was sold to conservatives who viewed Brett Baer as the personification of moderation and put in the hands of a scheming idiot 
whose head contained little but ambition and overconfidence. And today, even though they too are down, the ratings for Fox News are larger than those of MSNBC and CNN combined. Which is exactly where we were in 2003, when the barbaric right-wing agenda of George W. Bush and Dick Cheney controlled not just the country, but just as importantly the news business. And at NBC, they decided the only smart business model then was to go farther right than Fox. And now, today, as a former colleague of mine quipped grimly yesterday, cable news is not in intensive care, it's in hospice. And I answered... No, it had another five years to live, but if it's in hospice, it's in hospice now because it was already sick and then its new bosses poisoned it. Because at a time when the nation actually needs cable TV news and when its only means of survival is to offer compelling, intelligent, well-produced political shows, and no, I am not campaigning, they would sooner self-immolate than hire me. Instead... The new boss poisoners have concluded that the magic bullet is putting Gail King and Bill Maher on CNN once a week each and putting Matt Gaetz and Lauren Boebert on MSNBC whenever they will agree to go on. Because at a time when all the forces that can be brought to bear against democracy, against diversity, against more voters, voting more often in more convenient ways, in a time when all those forces are being brought and brought together, what America needs out of CNN and MSNBC is celebrity interviews by Gail King and stale, naive, faux libertarian, both sidesist nonsense from what is left over a decade after Bill Maher stopped trying very hard. Gail King. To paraphrase Frederick Douglass, the national edifice is on fire. Every man who can carry a bucket of water or remove a brick is wanted. But those who have the care of the building, having a profound respect for the feeling of the national burglars who set the building on fire, are determined that the flames shall only be extinguished by restoring conservative trust in CNN and MSNBC. I have nothing against Gail King. She is a very nice person. I know her so long. We met when I was just starting at SportsCenter, and she was a local newscaster in Hartford, Connecticut. I know that the CBS morning show she is on is the best last place show out of all the dozens of different last place shows CBS has produced in the mornings over the decades. And most relevantly, that show was the last news program that CNN's new idiot boss had anything to do with. And Gail King is thus one of the only four or five people in the news business he knows the first thing about. But the national edifice is on fire. And this is what one of the two possible firehouses is considering as a great new idea. Even if it's just to keep CNN and MSNBC alive until November 2024. And before you say the ratings prove that CNN and MSNBC are now irrelevant, well, I agree with you. But I ask you this, what has replaced them? The far right has Fox and Fox Business and Newsmax and the first 
and One America News and Daily Wire and The Blaze and Joe Rogan and literally 100 streaming shows and other 24-7 feeds. And the left has... I'll wait. The left has MSNBC boasting, promoting that it's got Bobert and Gates on as guests. The left has MSNBC firing its only growing show, which had been hosted on the weekends by an African-American woman because Tucker Carlson complained about nasty things she said about him. The left has CNN killing off its moderate, lean left primetime lineup so it could move Don Lemon to a morning show with peppy hair low and somebody from the Daily Caller. And that show now gets 331,000 viewers, meaning it is only about one third ahead of the weekly audience for this podcast. But the solution is Gail King. Maybe once a week in primetime. And Bill Maher, Fridays, for 20 minutes. Even though no once-a-week show in the history of cable news has ever succeeded, not even Maddow's, she's shrinking. Tucker Carlson's ratings are 50% higher than hers. The point of cable news is, no, your most fervent fans are not going to watch you all five nights each week, but they've got to know you are there all five nights each week. And there's still something else besides this terrifying political dynamic in which the almost laughably negligible supply of liberal or even moderate 24-7 news outlets gets extinguished because the fascists bought 50% of them. That would be CNN. And the geniuses at the other 50%, MSNBC, are making the same mistake about both sidesism not being its own form of bias that was made by their predecessors from the year 1999. These people are not just political malefactors deliberately or unknowingly helping the causes of those who would and will dismantle the freedoms of this country and persecute the minorities of this country and enrich the mega rich of this country and turn off the liberal networks of this country and some of the conservative ones, too. They're not just that. The Chris Licks and the Cesar Condes and the John Malones and the Jeff Shells are not just political terrorists by proxy. They're also... Idiots! Gail King is a morning show host. If Chris Licht of CNN could convince her to quit CBS mornings and work for him full-time, he would give her her choice of which hour she wanted to anchor. 8 p.m., 9 p.m., 10 p.m., all the p.m.s? And she would fail miserably. Because 8 p.m., 9 p.m., and 10 p.m. are at night. And CBS mornings is on in the morning. You don't think that matters? It's 7.30 on the morning of February 22nd, 2005, the president of CBS Television, Les Moonves, and the president of CBS News, Andrew Hayward, sneaked into my apartment building in New York via the back door so nobody would see them come in and came up to my apartment. There was a minor hitch in their big plan to hire the person who would save the CBS Evening News. That person was the co-host of the NBC morning show today, and her name was Katie Couric. I'll spell it for you. C-O-U-R-I-C. And she was one of the five best-known, best-respected people in television news, and they were still 90% sure they were going to get her, but they had no backup plan. So they wanted me 
to be the backup plan. This was my job interview. And I said, hell, three years ago I was unemployed. I'm happy to be your backup plan. But I also said, look, before you sign Katie Couric, have you considered the possibility that being a successful co-host of a morning show might not translate into being a successful sole anchor of the CBS Evening News? Have you considered what we called in radio day parts? It's not the same job. It's not what people know her for. Morning shows are interviews. Evening newses are reading teleprompter scripts and then getting on a plane for Afghanistan and reading teleprompter scripts there. That's not what people watch her for. And I said, it was like when I did SportsCenter with Dan Patrick. Ten seconds before you were going to say, I've had enough of this snarky idiot, Olbermann. I'm changing the channel. I would say, Dan? And all of a sudden, there would be a different face on your television with better hair. And you would relax and you would not change the channel. And then, a few minutes later, when you were about to say, I've had enough of this idiot, Patrick. I'm changing the channel. He would say, KO. And you would say, oh, good. It's the other guy again. It's not going to be like this on the CBS Evening News with just Katie Couric. It's just going to be Katie Couric. And Les Moonves said, you're right, but she's a star. And I said, look, I know you're going to make the deal with her and not me. And I know she's going to take the deal if you offer it to her. I have nothing to lose here, but don't do this. Don't hire her. Don't hire me, but don't hire her. Because let me tell you how precisely much it matters what time somebody is on. When I was a local sportscaster in Los Angeles at Channel 5, I told them, we did the 10 o'clock news. I came on about 10.50 every night. I was beloved. Viewers treated me like I was some sort of combination of Howard Cosell, Johnny Carson, and Voltaire. The ratings went up at 10.50 every night. The only newscast in America where the ratings went up when the sports guy came on. Then I got hired away by another station, your station, Mr. Moonves, Channel 2. I got paid seven times what I was making. It was great. And we did the 11 o'clock news, and I came on at about 11.30 every night, and I was hated. Hated, hated, hated. None of the viewers got the jokes. Nobody liked me anymore. Nobody seemed to know who I was. I was on Channel 5 on Friday night. I took Saturday off. And then I was on Channel 2 on Sunday night, and it was gone. All gone. I only took one day off. They hated me. And I was shocked. And my bosses, who'd spent all that money, they were shocked. And their bosses in New York were shocked. And they all decided to spend a fortune on research to figure out what went wrong. Maybe it was my mustache. And they came back and they said, the evidence is overwhelming. All the people who loved this guy's sportscasts had jobs where they had to be in the office at like 7 or 8 because of the whole East Coast, West Coast thing where people in L.A. have to be in offices earlier. And all the people who loved him, they had literally been staying up as late as they could to watch him at 10.50. When you put him on at 11.30, all the people who liked him are asleep. Less, Andy, 10.50 p.m. and just 40 minutes later, 11.30 p.m., they are different day parts. What works in one will not necessarily work in the other. 
And if 10.50 and 11.30 are different day parts, then 7 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. are completely different day parts. They hired her. Nobody liked her. Then nobody watched her. Then they fired the news president, Hayward. Then they fired her. But Gail King will save CNN at night. Oh, and Bill Maher. Once a week, Bill Maher, who is older than I am. The national edifice is on fire, and the two last hopes for a highly watched, consistent, 24-7, liberal or moderate point of view on national television or national streaming or national whatever is turning to run its operations and anchor its programs to a series of the management and on-air talent equivalents of James Buchanan, the 15th president of the United States, the one right before the Civil War, the president when the first seven southern states seceded. Gail King. If you would like to start a 24-7 liberal-leaning news outlet, streaming, broadcast, door-to-door, give me a call. Gail King. This is CNN. By the way, the letter I mentioned that Rachel Maddow read on November 2nd, 2021, imploring her not to cut back or to just take some time and then in 2022 come back five nights a week because she was necessary. She was perhaps the last line of defense. I know about this letter because I wrote this letter. By that time, Rachel and I had not spoken in 10 years and 10 months. Nothing was left of our friendship nor my mentorship. She refused to do interviews about herself if she was going to be asked about my role in starting her show. She yelled at staffers who mentioned me. She blocked an NBC proposal to have me rejoin MSNBC either with Countdown or as her Tuesday to Friday guest host. And after that, when it was decided that I would not be going back there, I wrote to her anyway, humbly. And for me, humbly takes a lot of work. I wrote to her trying to underscore that the situation for the liberal point of view in news was dire and getting worse, and by cutting back to one day a week, she might pretty much kill it off, which is what has happened. But don't worry, the absence of a viable liberal source of 24-7 televised or video news in this country, while the number of such conservative sources has exploded past 100 How could that be a problem this year or next year? Besides, it'll never happen. MSNBC has the answer. More Boebert and Gates. And CNN has the answer. Gail King. In prime time. Once a week. Maybe. Still ahead, George Santos steps away from his committee assignments, and Kevin McCarthy says this is good. It'll give Santos time to, quote, clear everything up. Just when you thought you knew how stupid Kevin McCarthy is, 
in sports. When you're the most hated team owner in New York, what do you do to improve your image? Why hire PR genius Hope Hicks? I mean, look what Hope Hicks did for Trump. Funniest doggone thing. The CBS reporter to whom somebody at the Justice Department leaked that documents had been found at the Biden Center. Well, now she has a news story that right after that, the president invited the FBI to come search the Biden Center. Funny they didn't mention that the first time, isn't it? Somebody screwed up bad at this story. And since the president has gotten hosed in the news media again, let me finally tell his story. The day Joe Biden took me out to lunch and asked for my advice. Relax, it was in 2007. No actual national policies were injured in the making of that lunch or this podcast. That's next. This is Countdown. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you run for office or take on the country's biggest problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home, pests. You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know intricate political strategy, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it, Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. Still ahead on Countdown, that point guard of theirs looks a little old to be on the JV team. I don't believe she's just 13. She looks 14 or how old is she? Special announcement about this here podcast and my lunch with Senator Joe Biden and why he thought it was a good idea. First, in each edition of Countdown, we feature a dog in need. You can help. Every dog has its day to Staten Island, New York and Akira. Akira is a big, beautiful, light brown husky attacked by another dog with such force that both of her front legs were fractured. 
There will have to be surgery and rehab, and your donations will be gratefully accepted. Akira is also the companion of a young guy with special needs, so you can imagine how distraught he is. You can find Akira on Cuddly's website or on my Twitter feeds. Your retweets of Akira will also be a huge help. I thank you, and Akira thanks you. Postscripts to the news, some headlines, some updates, some snarks, some predictions. Dateline Chicago, the same CBS reporter who got the original leak from the Department of Justice that President Biden's lawyers had found classified documents in a safe location inside his think tank, broke another story yesterday that Biden promptly invited the FBI to do its own search of the Penn-Biden Center, no search warrant necessary, right after the discovery. And the FBI did so within days of the original find. And this somehow got left out of the original reporting by Adriana Diaz and CBS News. Hmm. Dateline Washington, Congressman-elect Your Name Here has stepped away from his committee assignments temporarily, he says. Congressman George Santos, if that is his real name, met with the head of the new McCarthyism Monday, and per Kevin McCarthy, Santos volunteered to recuse himself. One of the all-time great quotes has now ensued from McCarthy. It's, quote, the appropriate decision for Santos to, quote, do until he could clear everything up. So he's staying away from the committees until he can clear everything up? That's going to take him through the year 2056. Dateline the Kremlin, former Putin speechwriter Abbas Galyamov, says that as Russian losses mount in Ukraine and Western sanctions begin to hit home in the next 12 months, he thinks Russia may experience a military coup. Nancy Faust. I don't know, military coup in Russia? Is that necessarily a good idea? And Dateline, wherever you podcast. We are six months old today. The premiere was August 1st, and there's actual news. It became official last night. We have crossed one of the podcasting field's benchmarks for the first time. One million downloads in one month. To celebrate, I'm happy to tell you this podcast will be for the rest of the week, free, no charge. Wait, what? It is free? Well, that's a hell of a bargain. Tell your friends. This is Sports Center. Wait, check that. Not anymore. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. Honestly, my thanks to the mystery announcer there and Nancy Faust and Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel 
and all of the guest announcers like Larry David and John Banks and everybody else who's contributed something to the show and Kenny Mayne, who you just heard there, everybody who's contributed to this podcast and has made it such a great experience so far. Six months, it's also like my third longest lasting job. That's not true. In sports, the rumor had been out there for weeks. Embattled New York Rangers and Knicks and Radio City Music Hall owner Jim Dolan, now in the middle of a facial recognition technology scandal that might cost him his liquor license and his $43 million a year tax abatement. Rumor had been he had hired to consult him in public relations of all people, Hope Hicks, the former Trump spokesmodel, Turns out to have been working for him, consulting, for several weeks, according to the New York Daily News and other sources. Hicks is saying nothing, but her text after the coup attempt seems to fit. The one in which she claimed Trump had shot everybody's job prospects to hell. Quote, we all look like domestic terrorists now, she wrote. Well, Hope, you got the right new boss. And from Portsmouth, Virginia, comes one of the all-times great sports stories. The girls' junior varsity basketball team at Churchland High School in Portsmouth was going to have to play Nansamond in a critical game on January 21st. One of its 13-year-old star players was going to have to miss the game because she was going to a tournament for the club team she also played on. So assistant coach Arlisha Boykins, 22 years old, had a stroke of genius. She wore the missing player's uniform number and pretended to be her and played in the game. 22-year-old woman posing as a 13-year-old JV player, and she got away with it. Until after the game, anyway, she was found out and fired, and the head coach was fired, and so was the varsity head coach, and the players on both teams, the real players, decided they could not take the court again in good conscience, and they just called off the rest of Churchland's season. But there is one more twist to this story, which I think is just as fascinating as the idea that a 22-year-old woman got away with playing as a 13-year-old JV basketball player. The executive director of the Virginia High School League, Dr. Billy Hahn, oversaw the decisions at Churchland after the impersonation. And it turns out Dr. Hahn knew exactly what to do here because he says... This is the second time in his seven years on his job that a coach has impersonated a player. What do you mean this is the second time? What the hell kind of league you guys run in there? Is there heavy wagering on the games? Do you have a TV contract that's at stake for JV women's basketball twice in the same high school league in just seven years? Just tell me one thing, Dr. Billy Hahn. Just tell me, please, that it was not... The same coach both times. Thank you again, Nancy Faust. Now to the daily roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world. The bronze, little Jesse Waters, well known as the dumbest of all the Fox News hosts. You may recall, he used to be the guy Bill O'Reilly would send out to harass women reporters. 
Anyway, he hosts a show now on Fox in which he appears to understand roughly every third or fourth word he hears. Last night, he outdumbed himself, though. Biden said he'd probably run for re-election, God willing. But God doesn't choose our president. The FBI does. Apparently, they have not told little Jesse about the developing Charles McGonagall, Trump, Russia, FBI 2016 scandal. How right you are, little Jesse. Mm. Runner-up Republican fundraiser Caroline Wren, when Matt Schlapp was caught with his hands in another guy's pants, the other guy being a Herschel Walker campaign staffer, Caroline Wren raced to Schlapp's aid, denigrating the victim as a, quote, 44-year-old volunteer driver who has been fired from multiple jobs for being a habitual liar. In a separate tweet, she claimed the man was 39, not 44, and had been fired from multiple campaigns. Neither version is true. The victim is now already sued Schlapp. Now the victim is suing Wren for defamation, seeking half a million. But our winner looks like Andrea Riseborough got away with it. The Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Scientists, Sciences, or Scientists, Although if you've seen movies recently, scientist is probably closer to the right word. Anyway, the Academy will not rescind her nomination for Best Actress after her film Two Leslie made $27,000 in its initial release in October and made the top film lists of almost no critics. The Academy began to examine the exhaustive social media campaign that included praise of the movie and Andrea Riseborough's performance from stars whose quotes all sounded suspiciously the same. The Academy met yesterday and determined, quote, the activity in question does not rise to the level that the film's nomination should be rescinded. However, we did discover social media and outreach campaigning tactics that caused concern. These tactics are being addressed with the responsible parties directly, unquote. Well, what does that mean? What are you guys going to do? Go to the actual Oscars ceremony and slap her? Oh, right. Never mind. Andrea, it's a major award, Risebro. Today's worst person in I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeVille World. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you run for office or take on the country's biggest problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home, pests. You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know intricate political strategy, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and 
and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The number one story on the countdown and my favorite topic, me and things I promised not to tell. Early in 2007, my phone rang at MSNBC headquarters in New Jersey. The senator would like to take you to lunch the next time he's in New York. He needs your advice. Would you be interested? It was Joe Biden's press guy. My first reaction was to ask if they had called the wrong number. My next reaction was to make sure this was not some sort of policy question, because as a news anchor and commentator for MSNBC, it did not seem appropriate to offer advice to a candidate for his party's presidential nomination. And <laughs> doesn't that seem quite right now, Sean Hannity? No, I was told it was more technical, more about communications, no policy. My antique standards satisfied, I said, sure. They gave me a couple of dates. They suggested, given his schedule, the best place to eat would be a restaurant in Manhattan. And it turned out it happened to be about 45 seconds from my home. So the day and hour arrived, March 27th, 2007. And I made it to the restaurant all the way down there, 45 seconds from my home. I sat down and moments later in came the senator from Delaware and his press guy. He had the big welcoming smile and equally big welcoming handshake that you may have seen from back when candidates could still go greet the people in the crowd. He reminded me that we had met briefly when he was in Los Angeles for the 2000 Democratic Convention and happened to be staying in the hotel there in which I lived. Senator Biden then said some nice things about my days in sports and particularly about the commentaries I had begun to do the previous summer on MSNBC. Those special comments, he said, with first a smile and then a whistle. There was then and there remains now almost no space between the public Joe Biden of the campaign or the presidency and the guy who talks informally to some knucklehead off the streets, which in this story is me. The word malarkey was used during our lunch, and I remember that particularly because, as I told him, I went to grammar school with a kid named Malarkey. And he was delighted by that. And he said he assumed we gave the fellow a hard time. And I said, yeah, but not because of his name. None of us third graders knew what malarkey meant. Why'd you give him a hard time then, Biden asked. It was the third grade, I said. Everybody gave everybody a hard time. He liked that answer. But back to the point of the lunch. Your language in these special comments, he said. In those days, people often brought up my language. See, I used to tell President Bush to shut the hell up only because they wouldn't let me use the other word. And some of the events of that presidency so infuriated me that I would actually redden on camera, and I don't redden in a sauna. Once, my high school history teacher, a distinguished and elegant man whose nine older siblings had been born in Vienna and who had the courtliness, which that implies, mentioned the language of the special comments, and I thought I was in for it. 
He, Walter Schneller, told me on the day I had graduated that my plans to be a sportscaster were very nice, and he was sure I would go and do that, but that he was also sure that I would wind up in politics someday, either as reporter or combatant. And I told him I was flattered, but he was crazy. Mr. Schneller was the one who, years later, was put in charge of the school's surprisingly generous fund for bringing in speakers to address the student body. And he was very annoyed by the fact that for decades, all of the speakers had either looked like Hugh Seide, the columnist for Time magazine, or they had been Hugh Seide, the columnist for Time magazine. He began scouring the Northeast for anybody smart who might have a diverse background, and that's how... He happened to be driving to the railroad station at Tarrytown, New York, one morning in 1991 to meet the train that carried that day's guest speaker, an editor of the Harvard Law Review named Barack Obama. His last words to Obama were, I'm sure you're going to go very far. So Mr. Schneller and I were talking about the commentaries, again, about 2006 or 7, and he said about the language. And I braced myself and preemptively apologized. No, no, he said urgently. You miss my point entirely. I am amazed that your language is so restrained. If I were speaking, I'd have called Mr. Bush a... And thereupon, Mr. Schneller made reference to somebody's mother. So, when Joe Biden asked about the language I used, I was wary, but he followed it by saying that it was kind of why he had asked me to lunch. I watch those commentaries you do, and people send me the video, and my staffers tell me about them. And every time I think the same thing. Here you are expressing anger, but as close as it comes to the line, you never cross it. I say to my staff, folks, is he too angry for you? And they say, no, just right. So here's my question, and then we can enjoy this great lunch here. When I'm passionate about something and I speak on the Senate floor or anywhere else, I get told my, by my friends and my enemies, you're too angry. And when I really am angry, they all say, you're really too angry. And here Joe Biden laughed. Now, you, you go on TV, far larger audience, far longer speeches, and people say, that Alderman guy, he's righteously indignant. And now, with a mixture of laughter, astonishment, and curiosity, he said, me, I'm angry. You, you're righteously indignant. How do you do that? How do you do it, man? Can you tell me? Without thinking, I replied, you have been in the Senate for how long now, Senator? 34 years? He nodded. And you're only just asking this question now? The words were barely out of my mouth when I froze. This was not a friend or a colleague who would take the little joking jab I had just thrown in the way in which I intended. This was a politician. Politicians may have senses of humor, but very few have a sense of humor about themselves. In that split second, I assumed Joe Biden might get up and leave. And he was silent for a moment, and then the corners of his mouth turned up, and to my great relief, he burst into laughter. He rocked back into his chair. He slapped the table with a palm. My God, that's funny. More laughter. My God, it's true. Louder laughter. I don't mind telling you I have loved him ever since. I didn't think I had much advice for Senator Biden, but as we talked about this topic, he asked me follow-up questions that made me analyze for the first time some of the processes I used when writing and reading on television. I'd never thought of them before because I'd never had lunch with Joe Biden before. 
I will not bore you with the full results of the dissection of the process of turning anger into righteous indignation. The most valuable conclusion was the oldest one in the book. I always wrote late at night while fully angry, and then in the morning I would take things out of the script, usually the juicier adjectives. Whatever anger was left was only the most intense and the most justifiable. And if you present it 24 hours after you have written it, you'll be in control of the anger. Your anger will not be in control of you. Shorter version, sleep on it. I saw the senator next in August of 2007. Democratic primary debate, the AFL-CIO candidates forum officially. Soldier Field, Chicago. It was outdoors. 95 degrees. 95% humidity, threat of killer thunderstorms. Obama, Clinton, Biden, Dodd, Richardson, Kucinich, Edwards, and the moderator, me. There are photos of this, Joe Biden and I walking towards each other, hands extended for a greeting. And I remember it clearly, he is literally asking me if I've noticed that he's been trying to turn his anger into righteous indignation, and he's asking me if I thought he'd succeeded. Well, he did not succeed in that debate. He actually came over to me during the commercial break and told me what he was going to do when we came back. And I told him, don't do that. And he did it anyway. And it looked bad. And later he let me know I was right and he was wrong. And since then, I can't recall him being angry, certainly not inappropriately angry, not even in those debates with that goddamn madman. His words were harsh. The tone was less so perfect, A+. But it occurs to me in all the analysis of all the changes in Joe Biden since day one in 1973, or even the vice presidency, nobody touches on this one thing. As late as 15 years ago, he seemed to be a hothead. When was the last time he was accused of that? I'm not saying I had anything to do with that. But two years in, and he's not even accused of being a hothead. It's an awfully nice change, isn't it? Countdown has come to you from the studios of Olbermann Broadcasting Empire World Headquarters in the Sports Capsule Building in New York. Thanks for listening. Here are the credits, most of the music, including our theme from Beethoven's Ninth was arranged, produced, and performed by John Philip Chanel and Brian Ray. They are the Countdown Musical Directors. All orchestration and keyboards by John Philip Chanel. Guitars, bass, and drums by Brian Ray, produced by TKO Brothers. Other Beethoven selections have been arranged and performed by the group No Horns Allowed. The sports music is the Olbermann theme from ESPN2. It was written by Mitch Warren Davis. Appears courtesy of ESPN Inc. Musical comments throughout by Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. Our announcer today was Kenny Main. Everything else, pretty much my fault. So that's Countdown for this, the 757th day since Donald Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. Arrest him now while we still can. The next scheduled Countdown is tomorrow. Until then, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. 
For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.